Welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate podcast. Michael and Bill Travers bringing it to you, Bill. How are we doing on this fine, fine Thursday evening? A little bit tired tonight after these last few late nights up watching the Red Sox. So I'm, I'm looking <clears> Red Sox played at 5 o'clock yesterday. Yeah, but then you had the Celtics going into double overtime. Oh, true, true, true. So, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little sleepy today. Need a little oh, extra cup of coffee this morning oh, to get things going. What can you do? Um, I want to start dating these episodes, too, because I feel like people listen to them. So we're uh, we're here on the 21st of October, uh, Thursday night. So if anything happens uh, tomorrow morning, you're welcome because it's the curse of the syndicate. And what happens is as soon as we're going to finish recording, something major will happen. I'm sure the Patriots will make a big trade of some sort, whether it's you know a big piece off their team or adding a big piece to their team. I'm sure you know the Bruins will announce that they are firing Don Sweeney or some, something like that's going to happen here. Uh, Alex Cora. uh probably gets caught cheating again or something i don't know but it'll be it'll be something major that happens so you're welcome uh and joining us today uh mr derek mcveigh uh patriots and celtics writer here uh for the syndicate and we figured what a better time celtics started yesterday patriots are almost halfway through their season and uh so what a time to bring him on derek how we doing uh uh, doing all right happy to be on thanks for having me Oh, I'd lo- love to have you. Can't wait to talk Marcus Smart. Nothing is gonna, nothing is exciting me more <laughs> than to get your thoughts on Marcus Smart. But uh, where, where would you guys like to start? Or does anybody have any opening thoughts, quick thoughts uh, to lead us off? Derek, do you have anything? Uh, I'm just I, – I think we're at the point as a Boston sports fan where we're into moral victories. Like I found myself after last night. It's like, well, there's a lot of positives coming out of the Celtics, and I feel like I'm doing that every week with the Patriots now. So that's the – that's the stage we're in right now as a Boston sports fan, just looking at the, the moral victories instead of actual victories. You know, it's funny is that if any other city was doing that, like taking more, just moral victories from, from games, you know what we call those cities? Losers. L- Losers. Losers. <laughs> <laughs> and here, and here we are talking about more victories and you're 100, long, you're 100% right too. That's, that's the crazy thing is, but anyway, Bill, you have any quick thoughts, opening thoughts? Uh, yeah, thank thank God for the Xfinity uh, thing that you can talk into to find where things are because oh, yeah. sports are just, you know, two nights ago I went to put on the regular Fox channel thinking the Red Sox game was going to be on that. It was on FS1. Last night when the Red Sox were FS1. on FS1, I thought I said that. Yeah, yeah, they were on last night too, FS1. Yeah, FS1. Last night when the Red Sox game was over, I went to check on the Bruins, check Nesson, then on on Nesson. I had no idea what they were. TNT, baby. TNT. I had no idea <laughs> that ESPN they had has the, a contract. I, I know it went to ESPN. I had no idea it was TNT. Then mm-hmm. checked Comcast for the Celtics. No, they're on ESPN. So Yeah, primetime. Yeah. Boston is primetime. That's the way that it goes. Uh, my opening thought to get to the losers and the uh, you know, moral losers. victories. 
moral victories is uh, thank God for the revolution. Am I right? I mean, holy. Yeah, the only one that could pull it off last night. Holy, four teams playing last night. You want to go back to last Sunday, all five teams, all, all five major sports teams played. Uh, and the New England Revolution are, uh, turns out, I didn't know this, turns out, went, went to the uh, football game, went to the Cowboys game with a couple of my friends who are actually soccer fans. The Revolution are not only the best team in the league, they're probably going to be the best team in the history of the MLS. They're going to break the points record here coming up now. I thought they were in the playoffs, so. Shows how much that I uh, I pay attention to soccer because I thought the season was already over. But I guess there's still like three weeks left, and they're uh, about to break the all-time points record for the uh, for MLS, which is, um, I guess, an achievement. I mean, it's the MLS, but I guess it's an achievement. So cool. We're great. New England. Go New England Revolution. So what's a soccer term? Just give me a uh, random soccer pitch? term. Pitch. Pitch. All right, so we're, so we're announcing that we're starting the On the Pitch Syndicate Revolution podcast. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to be bandwagon jumpers. It's the nil-nil uh, revolution podcast. You know, that's another thing that aggravates me about when a Boston team is in the playoffs, and especially when they make kind of a deep run in the playoffs, is suddenly everybody comes out of the woodwork. They're a big fan. Go Sox. Now it'll be go Revs. I, mm-hmm. I will fully admit I cannot name one single player on the revolution. And I am not going to start talking revolution just because they're going to make a playoff run and be a historic team. Well, you got to stay up. You got to you got to be you got to be current with your uh, events. You know, you got to you got to stay up on things. So the best is when you're go when you're looking at the tweets from last night and the Celtics lose, the Bruins lose, the the Red Sox suck, and everyone everyone's like, oh great, Boston went 0 and three, and then the people that comment like. Well, one in three. Don't forget the revs. It's like, no, we didn't forget them. We just don't care. Nobody cares about the revs. How did the cannons do? Check with James. They don't even exist. Are they they even a thing anymore? They are, but they're not. I know they're not the Boston cannons. Yeah, they're like like the Boston – no, the cannons lacrosse club. It's not even real anymore. Anyway, where do you guys want to start? Derek, where do you want to start? I don't feel like I don't ask you enough. Where would you like to start? We are going to cover all four teams, just just so you know. Surprise. So where would you like to start? Uh, let's start. I'd say either Celtics or Red Sox, since they're they both. I mean, I know the Bruins played last night, but I don't. I don't have much to add on the Bruins. So Celtics or Red Sox. Well, that's going to be a monologue for Michael then, if we're going to talk Bruins. Listen, I'll shy away from the limelight. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. I'll shy away. I'll do it. Uh, let's go Celtics then, because I feel like there's a there's a some to talk about the Celtics here, and then the Red Sox will probably be another two hours uh, additionally after that. So let's go Celtics. Uh, opening game. Uh, any major surprises to you, Derek, coming into this, coming into the season? I know we talked about the Celtics maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. They were just getting started, really. Um, any surprises with the roster? Any? Uh, I think the only thing they did was what Jabari Parker. They waived him and then signed him again. Um, so anything, yep. anything coming into the season that that before the season started that that surprised you or caught you off guard or anything? No, not at all. I mean the roster pretty much you know shook out as i expected um i mean some guys some of the young guys especially romeo langford looked good in the preseason but you know that's it's the preseason so i mean we'll see if that can translate i mean it translated last night he looked pretty good Uh, we'll see if that translates to a full season but in terms of just the makeup of the roster kind of where i expected it to be bill anything for you that surprised you about the roster no i i can't say I have to ask one question. Is Taco Fall still on the team? No. He signed with the Cavaliers. Then why is he doing commercials? He's doing commercials for some local bank. 
Wow, he's Taco Fall. It's Taco Fall. Taco Fall Tuesday. Madness. Fall Madness. Is that right, Derek? Cleveland? Yep. Oh, my God. I'm just a basketball stud. You should host a podcast. I should. It's unbelievable. Uh, okay, fine. Let's talk about let's talk about last night, and let's talk about, uh, I guess, the pros. So you say you took some moral victories. What did you take for moral victories? Please save Marcus Smart for not the first thing, so I'm lose my mind. What were your moral <laughs> victories from last night's double overtime loss to the uh, less than stellar, not so great Knicks, a.k.a. Celtics 2.0, because it just feels like every player on that team used to play for the Celtics. But anyway, what are your thoughts? What are your takeaways, your, your uh, moral victories? Uh, so, I mean, I mentioned Langford already. So he shot well from from three in summer league and in the preseason. And he, you know, knocked down a couple last night. He was four or six from the field, uh, was active defensively uh, in 23 minutes. So it's good to see him just on the floor. I mean, that's been his big issue in his first few seasons, uh, just trying to stay healthy. Uh, you know, Grant Williams, a lot, a lot of people were kind of ticked off that he was in the starting lineup last night without Horford out there. You know, he had a, his hands full trying to guard Julius Randle, but I thought he played about as well as you could have asked. He had some big threes, and he had three fourth-quarter threes as the Celtics kind of, you know, fought back from that double-digit deficit. Uh, Robert Williams looked good, uh, you know, perfect from the field, 10 rebounds, 5 blocks, exactly what you would expect and hope from him. Again, health is just another big thing for him. Um, and then, obviously, Jalen Brown, but, you know, you don't expect him to go off for 46 points every night, but he is, you know, one of your two best players. So him having a game like that, especially after not being on the court for a week and a half because he was in, uh, you know, COVID kind of protocols, that was great to see. Um, so definitely some some things to like, but obviously some things to clean up uh, moving forward. I will fully admit that I don't sit down and watch every single Celtics game. I don't think I've done that. Ever, but I but I I watched a lot of the game last night just because I was in, I was flicking flipping back and forth between that and the Bruins after the Red Sox ended, and I, I know that the three point thing has been a like it's been change? a it's the game Sorry. now. Like at what point change do up? we decide like maybe we just maybe shouldn't shoot threes anymore? Maybe we should you know stop trying. How far is the three point line? Thirty feet, twenty twenty something feet, twenty seven feet, something like that. <laughs> Maybe we should not jack up some threes out there. Maybe we should try and take the ball inside and, I don't know, score on a couple drives because it felt like every single time I watched, dribble, 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 outside three, brick. Outside three, brick. Until they had to. It felt like it felt like down the last like two minutes or whatever. Then all of a sudden they started hitting them. But just for my own fun, I looked it up. The Celtics shot 57, 57 three-pointers last night. That is bananas. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they, they combined as a, two teams for 102. That's the Knicks absolutely freaking absurd. Absolutely absurd. The Celtics had 117 field goals last night. Meaning that it's about 50% that they shot from three. 50% of the shots that they took were from, the, for, from outside the three-point line. You know how many they hit of those 57? Bill, you have any idea? Uh, I'm looking at the stats right now, so you probably shouldn't ask me. Uh, I want to say 18. I froze there. Yeah, you keep freezing. So while he's frozen, I'm going to jump in, Derek. 
I thought the three-point shot was something that the new coach wanted to phase out, not just relying on the three. And it looked to me in parts that I watched last night that they were right back to the same old bring it up, jack up a three. Bring it up, jack into a three. Didn't see a lot of passing to get a good open shot. No, and that was one of the, the negatives. Cause, so I think part of it, the way they started in that first quarter, I think they were like five of seven or, or six of eight. I mean, they were red hot from three in the beginning. So I think when that happens, they fall, you know, you fall in love with that shot and then you miss, you know, five or six in a row. And then it's like, well, one of the next ones got to fall. And they just kept shooting them. I mean, Jason Tatum was the, the biggest culprit. He took 15 and only hit two. He had a, a really rough night. And to, to Michael's point about attacking the basket, I kept every time Tatum had the ball, I kept saying, like, go to the basket. They can't guard you. And he did at one point in overtime, beat his man, got to the basket, got fouled, you know, got a, a three point play the old fashioned way. But then he just kind of stayed continue to stay behind the three-point line and he was searching for his jump shot all night just wasn't falling i got it i got it oh, I'm you're back. Back. hello you're back. hello i'm back i missed all of that but no here we go <laughs> this is just great this is awesome uh it'll make for good so i'll have to listen back and listen to the last i don't know three minutes because i just lost everything for whatever reason so hopefully this that my end even continues to record if it doesn't hopefully yours is going because i got none of that so we were just talking yeah. about how the talk in the preseason was the new coach wanted to de-emphasize them coming up the court and just jacking up the three, and we just saw oh, a lot that. more of that last night. Didn't do that. Uh, just out of curiosity, do you have a recording going just to make sure? So that you know, this is a little behind the scenes peek behind the curtain, but you have one going. Yes, I do. Okay, good, perfect, excellent. Uh, yeah, and I heard Derek mention Tatum, and I was screaming at the screen. I heard him say he was yelling for him to drive, and it just, like, to me, isn't Tatum the most athletic person on the floor every single time he takes the floor? So that's what I'm told by Celtics fans. He's the most athletic person in the entire world, apparently. Then why is he settling for threes? Why is he setting for, settling for outside threes, and why is he not driving the lane? And even when he did, he, I don't think he didn't look that great. I mean, I, was, I mean, there was a couple of drives where he got he, – he, it just didn't look right. Like, there didn't something just didn't look right. And maybe it's just, you know, the first game of the season and – Whatever. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that the Celtics are terrible or anything, but they but but it just it just felt like I was just watching the same thing happen over and over and over and over, and nobody took the initiative to change it. And that's the same problem it felt like they've had for the last two years, three years. Oh yeah, you know, at, for, at least under probably in the whole Brad Stevens era, it just kind of bit them in the butt in the last couple of years. Yeah, that, I don't. I mean, again, it's one game. But not great. I feel like everyone was Marcus Smart on the floor last night, just jacking up a shot, didn't care where it was from or where it was going or, or anything like that. And just, just here we go, three, 57. Like I just, I didn't hear your reaction to it. And by the way, they hit, uh, I heard, they hit 21. So I don't know what your answer was. Uh, my they answer 21. was 18, but I was only counting the starters. They went and, 21. And I added it up wrong, so yeah. 21 of 57. 36%. I'm sorry, that's not good. That That's probably around league average, I'd have to say. Well, league, that's that's bad. Then the whole league blows. But when your whole offense is, is revolving around that, then that's not that's good. That's terrible, in, in my in my humble, humble opinion. That's not good. I mean, they scored a lot of points. I'm not going to sit here and act like they didn't, they didn't well, score they a lot of points. But they also, they also played, what, an extra 10 minutes or whatever it is? What, what is basically an extra, an extra quarter. An extra quarter. So I don't know. I just it, it's just frustrating that you you expect to see something different with a new coach. Derek's right, you ex- or whoever said the coach thing. You're expecting you're expecting to see a new coach. You're expecting to see a new offense, but it's just the same thing, again and again and again. And I don't know if you said it, Derek. Marcus Smart's 
buzzer beating three to tie the game to send it in overtime. Woo. One, they still lost. And two, <laughs> and two, the Knicks just decided they weren't going to play defense. There was not a Nick within like 10 feet of him. Like, how do you just leave the entire court open? And it felt like who passed it to him? Was it Schroeder who passed it to him? It felt like Schroeder could have pulled yeah. up and hit a 3-2 because he had 25 feet before a defenseman. I don't even know who the defender was, but on the replay, the defender literally did not know what to do. He literally looked like a cartoon. He was like spinning in circles and just Campbell didn't Walker. know what to do. Was it? That's, even, that, it that's was. hilarious. That's hilarious. Of course it was. I just don't even know why I questioned it. Of course it was. Of course it was. Just mm, No, nah, we're just going to – and you know what? He was probably thinking, oh, I'm going to leave Marcus open. He'll just brick it again. And then, of course, in my face, he jacks it up and hits it. Those are the ones he hits, though. He misses the first five, and he hits the one that matters. He misses the first 40 and then hits the one at the buzzer so that everyone can talk about how great he is. Has 75 turnovers, but he hits that buzzer beater so everyone can talk about how great he is. I don't know how many turnovers we have. I I just was making it up. Overall, overall, do you feel good about this Celtics roster, or you think they're just going to be a middle-of-the-pack team? Well, I mean, I feel good about them. I mean, I think they'll probably be middle of the pack in the Eastern Conference. I think it's, you know, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, and Philadelphia to some extent kind of in a, a class of their own. And then the Celtics are with the Knicks and the the Heat and, uh, you know, those other the, – the Hawks and those other teams that will just be jockeying for, you know, the four, five, six, seven, seven spot. Uh, you know, I think – I think they missed Al Horford last night just in terms of defensively kind of offering some resistance to Julius Randle. Um, and just having another veteran out there would have helped, uh, you know, double overtime in a, a tough environment against. The, I know they're, they're still the Knicks, but they were a playoff team last year. The the guard, the, you know, Madison Square Garden was rocking last night. Uh, you know, new coach, kind of new system, a few new players. Tatum had one of the worst shooting nights of his career and you took him to two overtimes. I feel pretty good. Uh, I still think it's a game they, they should have won. Um, but some some things to like, you know, moving forward. Still 81 games to go. So not, not losing hope yet. No, of course. And that's the definition <laughs> of a moral victory. Mm, more, yep. Yeah, yeah. He Losers. just described it to a T. Losers. But, you know, <laughs> a couple of points. A couple of points. One, Spike Lee. Oh, nice man purse. And two. And what was that suit? Did oh it have the God. NBA logo? Was that did what the he... pattern was? The NBA logo? Like, where did, where did can not... I buy one of those? I got a wedding did... I got to go to. I'm going to wear that. Did he not celebrate like they just won, like, game seven of of uh i guess it would be the eastern conference finals it's game one what are we what what is going on here he's and yes true, to answer your question fan. he's a he's a to, diehard fan to answer your question yes it was the nba logo and it's not a man purse i've been i'm being told it's a satchel so oh. uh great great <laughs> job spike lee but just how about the fact that like even like we're even talking i mean we don't have to talk about it but how about the fact that you even talk about like 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 you talk about Spike Lee because he's sitting right there on the court. Like it's just such a the the NBA is such a the basketball environment is such an odd environment. Did you see the Toronto Raptors game last night? And whoever they were playing, Derek probably knows. I don't. One of the players on the opposing team took a technical foul. Oh, they play the Raptors tomorrow night. Ironically, the Celtics do. Uh, the Wizards. Nope. Yes, the Wizards. A guy on the Wizards took a technical foul because he was trash-talking not a coach, not a player, not a ref, but Drake sitting in the fans. Rapper, singer, pop extraordinaire, Drake. How does the NBA let these things happen? Like, how does that happen? 
How is Spike Lee like a part of the game? How is Drake a part of the game? Well, they're practically sitting on the court. It's unbelievable. I mean, it truly is unbelievable. Court, not just not just on the side. They're they're right on top of the court. I I, I can see that. I watched Spike Lee in his NBA suit last night. It's just it's it's it's, it's amazing to me that that this is especially now. I know call COVID, it's over, but whatever, blah blah blah. But especially now, the fact that they're still letting him do it's amazing. It's amazing. Maybe I'm maybe I sit alone in that on in that throne. I don't know. But anyway, Derek mentions uh, the two teams that he thinks are better than the Celtics and one being the 76ers and one being the remind me. Oh, Brooklyn Nets. How about the fact that, the that Bucks, both yeah. of those teams? Yeah, the, the Bucks, the Bucks don't fit into this category. So I left them out on purpose. Both of those teams are missing one of their best players and are still probably better than you. It's an absolute circus right now with Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn and an absolute more of a circus, double the circus, in Philly with Ben Simmons. What? These these divas, like it's it, it's unbelievable what is happening right now with 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 the NBA with Simmons and and uh, Irving. Well, is it any surprise that there's a circus around Kyrie Irving? I mean, really, is, is should we be surprised by that? And and for one thing, at least Kyrie Irving has won something in his career. What has Ben Simmons ever done? Kendall Jenner. Well, yeah, that's, that's an accomplishment, <laughs> I suppose. But it's just like, I, I, let me Let me rephrase happening? that. What has he done in his basketball career? The number On one the overall pick? Number one overall pick? Yeah. Right? Yeah, so? I guess he's got some clout there. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of cachet, but still hasn't won anything in the NBA. No, you're right. You know what's sad is he hasn't won anything, and the and he's been on a good team pretty pretty much his entire career. Maybe the first year they weren't good, and then and then they were good, and first they just year can't he barely see. played, didn't he? Wasn't he hurt most mm, of that year? You might be right. Maybe it was the first. I don't know. If it was the first year, or the second year. But the point is, is that he's been on good teams the last like three years. I feel like the, I feel like the 76ers have been a team to. They've been right there because of him and Embiid, and it was supposed to be Markel Foles, right? But they, it just it just didn't. It, it just it just hasn't come to come to fruition, and they haven't been able to figure it out. And now he's just crying. I mean, he's getting kicked out of practices today. He showed up and left and didn't do anything. Like, and that's a Doc Rivers run team. I can't believe that that that's kind of stuff is happening. It's a different league now. I mean, it's been a players' league for a long time, but it's it's just skewed so far towards the players now. Even a coach like Doc Rivers just can't get that cachet with the players can't get that uh you know that that buy-in and the, be- the to me the best part is the teammates of these players aren't even sticking up for him Joel Embiid's like no nah, he's a clown and then and then uh the beard there uh James Harden and Kevin Durant Harden, like ah, yeah. ah we don't really need Kyrie we'll be all right we'll be fine we don't really need him like huh how toxic how toxic can you get as a as a player Like Derek I thoughts? said, is is it any surprise that that's going on? Not with Kyrie. Kyrie, I don't think so. No surprise whatsoever. Derek, give me some elaborate thoughts. I know you have one. Oh, I got nothing. You summed it up. Those two guys. <laughs> I mean, like Ben Simmons is just, yeah. I mean, he he hasn't won anything. I think he he's worse. Or he he thinks he's better than he actually is. The guy can't shoot. We saw him in the playoffs last year pass off a, a wide open layup because he was afraid to get fouled and go to the free throw line. Like, I think the the fact that he's still in Philly is kind of 
a, a commentary on the fact that no one around the league wants to trade for him. He's openly said that he doesn't want to play in Philly and wants to be traded, and no one's come and like made an offer for him because he's just not that good. Tell you what, Celtics could use a point guard right now. I tell you what. Yeah. Not one like yeah, that. I know no one wants the toxicity or anything. Oh, he's Australian. I didn't even know that. Interesting. Okay, anything else on the Celtics? Or we want to move on from the NBA's drama? Uh, oh, that was a $5,000 suit, Louis Vuitton NBA suit that Spike Lee was wearing last night. Ooh, maybe I could get one at like Building 19 or something. <laughs> the, the logo the left over. The logo will be reversed, <laughs> but yeah, you can. You It'll can, it can yeah. be the WNBA logo. <laughs> uh, any uh, anything else on the Celtics or the NBA, Derek? You got anything else? Or you want to want to move or move it on, move it along? Um, no, I would just say I think one of the other things that uh, like in terms of last night's game that I feel good about was that I you know Tatum had an awful game, but I think one of the biggest reasons they lost was their like defensive breakdowns, and I think that's just part of having a new coach and kind of new, new system, new strategy. I know that led to some open, you know, some open shots late for Evan Fournier, who apparently now that he's not in a Celtics uniform can make shots. Um, once, uh, once they kind of get some more games under their belt, I think they'll clean some of that up and they'll look good, you know, moving forward, but they have to, because in December they've got, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, they've got quite the gauntlet coming up in December. I think they've got 15 games and 13 of them are, uh, against playoff teams last year. So they'll have, a, they'll have their hands full in the month of December. So they got to get things going soon. Yeah. It's like, like you said, and like it's, it's, it's one game. So, I mean, let's not, let's not go, let's not go crazy about it, but, uh, and I, I think you're right. Tatum won't be as bad all season as he was last night. So um, there's definitely positives, I, th- I think. And, and plus they're young. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's positives beyond just, you know, this year. So I think that that's, I mean, it's, they're in a better spot, I think, than some other teams in the, uh, in the area. But, um, let's talk Bruins really quickly because I know you two don't have too, too much. So how about this? Our Bruins podcast, Bleed Black and Gold, is currently doing a giveaway on their Twitter for an NHL code for both, not or, both Xbox and PlayStation. We're doing a co, uh, giveaway with the uh, three dads and a console podcast. So if you uh, follow us on Twitter at BBNG podcast, you'll find the rules and, and regulations to, to uh, be entered, which is basically just follow both of us and comment on the post, either ours or three dads in a podcast. And tell us what uh, console you play on. So you will be entered in. And if you screenshot a five star rating for both podcasts, you get an extra entry into the uh, into the raffle, and uh, we'll select a winner for both for both consoles, and we'll give away a uh, a code for the game for both for both consoles. So that's something pretty nice that we're doing for the uh, Bleed Black and Gold uh, podcast. Any thoughts on the Bruins? You guys want to move on? Uh, I had a question for you. Um, Go. Your Bleed Black and Gold podcast came out last week. Nice job as always. So I think after that, Swayman was named the starter. And, of course, Charlie McAvoy signed the contract extension literally as you posted the podcast for release. Mm-hmm. So you guys didn't talk about it. But, syndicate curse. Um, what's that? Syndicate curse, right. It's, it's the, I'm, I'm just shortening it. It's the syndicate curse. So Swayman was, was basically named the starter for the opening game. 
and then was was the starting goalie last night. Are you starting to rethink that approach after what happened in last night's game? I'm rethinking the approach as a whole because now you have a six point five million dollar goalie sitting on the bench. But but it Swayman I guess played better in the preseason, so I guess he won the job. But now you like I say you just have, you have a six point five million dollar relatively young goalie sitting on the bench. It's not like you have two Garaskas sitting on the bench who's older and just at the end of his contract. You just signed Olmark in the offseason. And so to a four year deal. Yeah, and you're paying him a boatload of money. Six point five might be too much, maybe five point five. Um, but it, it, it's, it was a, it was a surprise to me that they decided to, um, that they decided that they decided to go with Swayman because I think he played it's oh, 5 million, sorry, a five point million dollar goalie sitting, sitting on your bench. And it's, 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 I don't know. Yes. It, it, yes. It's surprising. And yes, I would be rethinking it now, not necessarily just because of the game, but just because of the entire situation that, that, that you put yourselves in. Like you sign this guy to a, to a huge deal. And then he, you, don't, you, don't even, you don't even play him in the first two games. You don't even, you still don't play him the opening game. You want to give it to the kid. He played better. Okay. But why would you give the second, why wouldn't you give the second game to Omar? Now you have to give games to Omar. You have no choice. You have to, because Swamy got lit up last night against the flyers. And what does that do Same. for his confidence? If now now you come back with with Allmark, well, I think no matter what, you were probably playing Allmark. Uh, so I, I, I don't. Their next game is tomorrow night, Friday night. Correct, yeah, and, and they're playing the Sabers. But it's it's, I think no matter what you were playing, you were you were probably going to play Allmark. I just don't understand why you wouldn't have played him last night. I, I that I really don't understand at all. I, I think that was the perfect time to play him. And then you have a cupcake game against the Sabers. So you can, you know, make your decision there, and it it, it feels like that there there might be they might end up in a more of a fifty fifty split than I think anybody thought coming into the coming into the year, and don't love it, don't don't love the fifty fifty splits, don't love the don't even really love sixty forty splits. Like we, you need a legitimate starting goaltender in order to be effective. So if this continues, what are the the cries going to start to bring Tuca back once he's healthy? Oh, they already started. They already started. The two the Tuca lovers. So there's two groups with Tuca Rask. You either love him or you hate him. And there's like three people in between, and that's me, and two of my other identities. And so it, it's just it, it it's already started. The people who love Tuca are like miss Tuca yet? I'm like yeah, it's been two games. It's been two games. Let's relax. But I do think Allmark needs to be the starting goaltender for this team. I, th- I do think he's the better goalie. He hasn't played; he didn't play well in the preseason. But I do think he's the better goalie. And I'm sorry, it's just a terrible look to have your brand newly signed five million dollar goalie sitting on the bench. It's just it's not a good look. And what are your thoughts on the McAvoy extension? Good deal. Love it. All caps, exclamation point. You see the goal Taylor Hall scored last night? You know why I scored that goal? The beautiful nice pass. pass from McAvoy. I mean, I mean, he had probably – he had about two zones to get it to him. And I forget. I think it was wrist line and change, so he had that whole part of the ice. But still, beautiful in stride on the tape pass. Uh, love McAvoy. Love him. I think it's uh, fair money. I mean, he signed for the same money as some of the other free ag- upcoming free agents and he's that he's better than. So I think he could have got more probably. He definitely would get more if he ever hits the open market. So – Eight years, I want to say it was, right? Yeah, and this, eight years. Here's the thing. These things work out. So McAvoy's 23, so he's nowhere near his prime. And the way – you know how NHL contracts are – or contracts in general. 
yeah, it's a big number now, but in yeah, six five, years. Five years from now, it will be a bargain. Is it going to be a big contract? Probably not. The only one who's probably like, hey, what the heck is, I mean, it's probably uh, Marshand and, and, and Pasternak because they didn't get huge deals. They got good deals, but they didn't get a huge deal like this. But it just goes to show you what they think about McAvoy, too. That he's 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 the guy. He's 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 probably a top five defenseman in the entire league. So I think the money was spot on. The years were great. Love it. Love it. Everything about it. And I know it's not something you want to think about, but when Bergeron, not Ber- yeah, Bergeron finally retires, do you see McAvoy wearing the C? Bergeron could be gone next year, by the way. He's in the last year of his contract. Uh, so it was, you know, two years he's going to wear the C and then leave, possibly. Um, right now he's probably – okay, let's play a weird hypothetical. If, hypothetically, if Bergeron were to not re-sign, he's probably in the conversation. It's probably between him and Marshan, I would say, to, to, to wear the C. But, but you know, over the eight years, probably, I would say. I would hope. There's a there's a tweet from back when he was like six that said he hates the Bruins or whatever. I can't hate oh, the Bruins. Don't you love those tweets that come back years yeah. and years later? Yeah, he was. Uh, well, he's he from was the, tweeting he's, when he was six. No, 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 no. He wasn't actually <laughs> six, but but he was. He's from New York or New Jersey or something. So he's so he's uh, you know not a big not a big Boston fan. And it was from like in the like the the they must have been playing. The, I would assume they play the Rangers or the Devils in the playoffs and they beat them. And he said, I hate the Boston Bruins. Well before I think he was still in high school, and then he got drafted here. So it's it's those funny irony old tweets that everybody you know digs up. But uh, but yeah, I, I mean Loves I would now I, when he goes to cash those paychecks. Yeah, you're not kidding. You are not kidding. But yeah, lo- love love the McAvoy thing. Hate the goalie decision. I'm indifferent on the Bruins right now. Love them in game one. Hated them last night. So I'm indifferent right now on the Bruins. Need All right, more I'm fresh out of Bruins take. So Derek, Derek. it's on you. Yeah, I can't help you there. I, admittedly, I, I didn't watch last night's game because I was watching the Celtics. So I love I got nothing I, to offer. I love how when we talk, you know, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, maybe not so much Celtics, but but Patriots and and, and Red Sox, it's like a roundtable discussion. Celtics is like a little bit of a roundtable, and then Bruins is just a Q and A for me. Like, bang, bang, boom, <laughs> answer these questions. <laughs> just trying to keep things flowing. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, let's go, let's go Patriots now because I want to save the Red Sox for last because it has the most, um, emotion behind it. Derek, the last time that you were on with us, where were we at in the Patriots season? Do you recall? Cause I don't, unfortunately. I think it was before the season started. Oh, perfect. Uh, let's, let's freaking go then. Uh, your thoughts so far on them as a whole on the season. Um, I guess Mac Jones is really the story. So what your thoughts on Mac at this point, Patriots as a whole at this point? Let's go. You got you for about 10 minutes. Go ahead. All right. So Patriots as a whole, woof. Like, I think uh, <laughs> I got caught up in the the mystique of the, the Patriots and, you know, having Belichick as their coach and just thinking that it was automatically going to work out and didn't think that, you know, with all these new pieces, it might take some time to, to gel. I think the, the most disappointing thing is that, is that they're making, you know, mistakes that we uh, like don't normally see from Patriots teams, like uncharacteristic mistakes, not taking care of the ball uh, with a lot of fumbles, stupid penalties, uh, poor special teams. Uh, I don't know how many times Chase Winovich is going to run off and on the field because he doesn't know if he should be out there or not. 
It's just like these are the types of mistakes that teams they used to play against, you know, for the past 20 years would make. And we, you know, laugh at them for it. Now the Patriots are making those mistakes and it's costing them football games. Uh, Mac Jones has been, I mean, as good as you could have, you know, imagined. Um, he's been the best rookie quarterback in the league there. You know, he's not the reason they're losing games. He's He's been great. I mean, he's had some some bad moments, some bad throws, a couple rough interceptions. But, I mean, he's bounced back great and he's put them in positions to to win some. He's made some plays. You, I don't think you can really complain too much about his play. I think the biggest, the two biggest concerns are the offensive line and the the defense. I mean, this defense was supposed to be a, a unit that was winning games for them early on when the offense, as the offense kind of took time to gel, right? You had a rookie quarterback and all these new pieces. It might take time for them to, to put it together, but you had this supposedly, you know, elite defense, uh, and they've been far from it. I haven't been able to make a, a big stop and, and win any of these games. And then the offensive line wasn't even something I was even considering to be a, a concern entering the year, especially if they brought Trent Brown back. thought they were going to be the strength of this team, and they've been probably the worst unit out there. Um, so just a lot of things have happened that I weren't expecting, and maybe that's, you know, shame on me for, for thinking they were, they're the Patriots. They're just going to put it all together, um, you know, without issue. What's ironic, I mean, you, you pretty much nailed everything, but what's ironic is that coming into the season, the biggest question mark was Mac, and he's been probably your most consistent, probably your most consistent player. And the and the thing that that you thought was going to be your most consistent is your defense has been your most inconsistent. So it's like it's it's been reversed. And, you know, Mac has been great, in my opinion. And I've said this, I said this before, the, I think after the first two games and then after the Bucks game was the last time we talked to him, um, I, I – he's been great. He's, he's been great. He's been everything that you probably more than what you expected out of him. I mean, he's not going to be in the conversations with Brady or, or, or Mahomes or I don't know, Aaron Rodgers. but he's, he's done his job for the most part. And he's been let down by fumbles and his defense. And he's probably been the second best player on this team for the, for the season. I would say behind Judon, he's, he's probably the, the, the second best player on this team, which I don't think anybody saw coming or, or could really even expect it for it to happen. Yeah, I'd say him and Nick Falk. Nick Falk's been their best offensive player. Oh, that's true. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about the <laughs> kicker. How dare I? <laughs> I gotta agree with both of you on everything. I mean, especially special teams play. When was the last time you saw a Patriots team have two punts blocked in a season? It's already happened this year. I mean, just well, they don't normally punt. True, but even when they, I mean, the punter has been horrible this year when he has gotten the kicks off. I don't know what's happened to him, but. You know, other than Judon, I think the big free agent class that they brought in has been pretty much a bust. Hunter Henry's made some strides the last few games. Jonu Smith has been a disaster. I don't know what has happened to that guy. If you know, with the exception of Judon, obviously. Did I already say that? If I didn't, with the exception of Judon, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, just that and the and the fumbles and it's just you you had what you thought the running backs were going to be another strength of the team. All Mac Jones had to do was be a game manager and, and, and the running backs were going to take the bulk of the work. And then Sony Michelle gets traded. Harris has been decent, but he's had problems with fumbles. Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson fumbles in the first, his first game and then gets virtually benched for three games. JJ Taylor fumbles and hasn't been able to get back even on the active roster for the last couple of games. It's just, Definitely unpatriotic. I think what they need to do is just let a little bit of air out of the balls. 
so that they can hold on to it better. Hold on, get the grip a little more. Yeah, they're they're easy yeah. to hold on to when they, when they're not as you know rock allegedly. solid. Allegedly, allegedly. I uh, I think I mean I said I said this even after the the, the Cowboys game another another tough loss for Mac and just feels like everyone around him is letting him down between the fumbles and the defense blowing and. It, I would argue even the coaching. The, the coaching has not been great. The, well, that, the play calls have been atrocious. That that's my biggest take, especially on the defensive end, is is the coaching. You've you've got Joe Dirt or, coaching on the sidelines, <laughs> looking like he's taking an algebra three exam all the time. I mean, really, th- who are these people that are coaching on defense? Where do well, they the come co- from? What what is their what are their credentials? What blows my mind about the about the defense is that clearly there's something going wrong in the sidelines there. Like who's playing? Who's 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 calling the plays? Who's getting the packages together? Is it is it is it Stevie Boy? Is it or Joe Dirtish call them? Is it uh is it Gerard Mayo? That's the coach, right? Gerard Mayo. Yep. Is it, it like who's playing? And oh, by the way, you have a former defensive coordinator for your team doing what exactly? You know what? Keep him up in up the up in the stands doing whatever he's doing. Don't let him on the field. It would be. It, I was I ready to like drive they, him to the airport three years ago when he left, and I have I'm what I feel, I feel like I feel like even his piss poor coaching back a couple years ago is still better than what you're getting now. They can't even figure out who's going to be on the field. They can't figure it out. Winovich is running on and off. They don't know. You're asking me. You t- you're texting me saying are, do the, are the Patriots even playing with eleven guys on defense? They can't figure it out defensively. That was more about the way the Cowboys were just moving the ball at will. Down well, that's because the, the Cowboys are the Cowboys' offense is unbelievable. But that's a but 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 they they they, they can't they can't figure it out defensively. And you have a former defensive coordinator for your team doing what? Picking his beard? Like, what are we doing here? So that yeah. the coach, so that the head coach's kid can can I don't know give himself a tongue bath? Like what, what is going like? What is happening here? I, I gotta wonder how long before Kraft steps in and demands change. I'll tell you what, that place was packed on Sunday. It's not gonna continue to be that way if they keep putting that product out on I the field. I don't know that I I don't know that I agree. Uh, that place is that no, place you, is you've gotta win games. You've gotta win games or you're not gonna pack that stadium. I'm sorry. The the mystique of the Patriots is only gonna last so long and it's already starting to erode. Yeah, I think I think you I think you've bought yourself a couple of years. I mean, I feel like I feel like that the you you could the season ticket line is like twenty years this for you for you to get tickets. Yeah, but Tom Brady isn't coming through that door. Says you. He's not coming back. <laughs> Says you. I, I think having a good quarterback helps. Like it's something. It's the bright spot. If Mac Jones are playing awful, I think you'd see a a lot more empty seats, but I think having a good quarter, a good young quarterback attracts people. But how long is that oh. going to last if they're losing? They're zero and four at home this year. Oh, believe me, I know. <laughs> I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to stop. You're a season games. ticket holder, Derek. How, how how much longer you want to shell out that kind of money and make that kind of commitment if they're going to keep losing at home? Never mind. So never mind crazy, the overall like... record losses at home. Yeah, I mean, they've lost more games at home this year than I've probably seen them lose, you know, in the past 10 years. I mean, they, they used to be 7-1, 8-0 at home every single year. I mean, they lost a home game. I haven't game. seen them it win a game like at home in a year news. and a half. Crazy. They should get one this Sunday, hopefully. But I don't <laughs> even know if I can say that anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, when we were looking at the schedule before the season started, 
you know, we were saying, oh, that that's a win. That's oh yeah, they'll they'll be three and zero, two and one at the worst going into the Tampa Bay game. And now, can we make any of those predictions beyond the Jets game? Let's go for a lottery pick now. <laughs> Let's get another lottery pick, and then you can get yourself an offensive lineman and improve improve the line, work with your quarterback, try and get yourself a running back. And you know, it was it was I think it was after the Bucks game. We were all high. We were high on them because they they played well. You know, and, and it was like, well, maybe they and then they need a running back. Maybe they can make a trade for a running back and and, you know, improve this team a little bit. But now it's like, is it even worth it? Make yeah, a trade for a running back when you traded a first round draft pick running back away to start the season because you thought that was the strength of your team. Well, yeah. And all injuries. that shifted in, in four or five games. Shifted in about two games when when uh, well, James White went down. It didn't. That was a huge loss. And I, so and the first I, game? And I think that the first that game? has. No, I think First it was or the second game, game of the year. I think it was the second yeah. game. I, I think that has not game. that has not gotten the press that it deserved. Oh, the third that was a third game. You're right, Doug. It was a Saints game. But I think that, that, the... that has been an underplayed story. Oh, that's because of when I look at when it happened. Right, leading into the Brady game. Right. Derek, what are you, what are you, you were at the game, I know, I assume, I think, I believe. The Brady game. The game. What are your overall thoughts on the, the stadium? Where you were, like where you were sitting, the general Brady um, commentary, the game itself. What were your thoughts there? I mean, it was a great atmosphere, and I thought the the crowd handled it perfectly. You know, Brady came out, they gave him his you know standing ovation, gave him his applause, and then as soon as the game started, they booed him. Like that was that was perfect. And even um, I know, I think I think you were there, right? Were you mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if you were in your seats early enough, but, you know, Brady came out, they cheered for him, and then Mac Jones came out maybe 30 seconds later, and he probably got a louder ovation. So I he thought the, the crowd handled it perfectly. Um, you know, the game was was disappointing, just the outcome. Uh, another one where the defense was great, you know, pretty much all night long, in that, but in the fourth quarter couldn't get a make a stop when they needed to. Um, you know, I think – Looking back on it, I think that their performance was a little bit more of Brady's emotions kind of getting the best of them, um, you know, because he sailed early on, especially he sailed a bunch of his throws like mm-hmm. over, his head, over Antonio Brown's head. I think he had a little bit a little bit extra behind it. Um, but I mean, I don't want to take anything away from, you know, Judon and the, the defense did play well that night. Uh, but I just wonder if that game is a little bit more of an anomaly right now. Does, well, doesn't it? Well, I mean, they. They played well against the Cowboys. I know the Cowboys kind of went up and down the field, but they overall they played pretty well against the Cowboys. And I'll, the so Cowboys I wonder if they are shooting it, themselves in the foot. Of course, of course, they yeah, are a poorly coached team as well. But they hung with the Cowboys. They hung with the Bucks. They didn't really hang with the Saints. But and 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 but it almost does it feel almost like they play up to their competition. Like is that you know how you know how some teams play up and then play down to their competition, and that's usually what you don't see from a Patriots team is they don't play down. But obviously, yeah, they beat the Jets, but didn't really look great. And they barely beat and they, Houston. And they lost to the Dolphins, and then they barely beat Houston. So it almost – and th- that game was oh, disgusting. It was a, well, it was a first half. It was a good – it was actually a pretty good second half. But the first half was disgusting. I actually forgot about that game almost entirely. But – That so was I'm a classic if, trap game between the Buccaneers game and the Cowboys game. Right. Right, right. No, that makes sense. And and Davis, Davis Mills, just decided he was going to be a quarterback for one week and throw all over the world. And to some guy they just elevated off the practice squad. 
That's big time. And then look at what Dak did. So the pass game might be a little weak. Might have needed Stephon Gilmore. I don't know. What do I know? Which I don't think we've talked about that, have we? Nope. He's not coming through that door anytime soon either. Six round pick? No, but they got correct? yeah, they got a six round pick though. They'll six probably turn pick? that into two sevens, so that'll be great. In twenty <laughs> in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and it's not like you play him in a couple of weeks or anything either. So like no. what a good move. I will say this, it, it, it is it is funny, like it it, it was like put like a, a, a negative fan like me in a weird place because it's like they're like, oh, they're releasing Stefan Gilmore. And I'm like, why wouldn't they have just traded something for him? Like if they, if they were just going to release him, why would like no one would just give up a pick for him or something? And then it came out there like a six round pick. And I was like, that's it. What? What do you mean? So it was like it put me in a weird spot. Cause like, it was like, oh, they're the worst for just releasing him. And they should have traded him. And then they trade him. I was like, oh, oh damn. I guess I can't really complain now. Well, they but couldn't. They couldn't still, pay him. They had to give that money to Jamie Collins and bring him back. <sighs> had to have Jamie Collins. Yeah, non-factor. Is that a good uh, a good way to describe him? Thus, he had a sack in the Texans game, didn't he? Rush the rush the gut yeah, in the, in the no, Texans game. No, the Cowboys game was his first game back. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. He had a sack. He had a sack in the. In the Texas game, game? Yeah, remember, late in that Houston game. I remember no. listening to Zoe on the radio. It's like, that's what he does. <laughs> that's, what does. that's a good yeah, Zoe just impression. Wait eight weeks. <laughs> Is it actually? <laughs> Jamie Collins, yeah, he played. One tackle, one sack. What, are you only get in like three plays in the Cowboys Difference game? Maker. I, I know he didn't play much in that game. Like, I had forgotten he was he was back on the team when he made a play. Uh, I don't have his I don't have his sack count here. He did make two. We have a big game this week against the Jets. Yeah, and then it will be all the all the rage. He did have two tackles. They were combined tackles, but he did have two tackles. Um, and I lost him. God darn it. That that's all right. Nothing like good James Collins talk. Two tackles. So that's that's a big game. That's a bigger game than the other game. He only had one tackle. But the biggest thing from that game is the 445 that Dak put up. Whew. Holy. He is legit. Yep, he is. That offense is legit. That entire offense is... Whew. It's scary. Scary, scary, scary. They can never stop shooting themselves in the foot. They might be dangerous. Yeah, their, de- their defense isn't that good, though. Yeah, but with that offense... I mean, they can play mm. ball control, too, with the running backs that they have. Keep yeah, the defense off the field. No, that's true. Very true. They have a the the two backs are unbelievable. The ground control that they have, and then Dak too can run. So they so it, their offense is elite. It's it, it's probably probably the best offense in the league. Maybe the Bucks. Maybe the Rams but are I doing don't, pretty well too. Yeah, but I, yes. Now that right. they've got a real quarterback, you're right. You're right, but I think I mean, it's you look at these like you you just look at the names and you have Zeke and Pollard and Lamb and Cooper and their their tight end has been a, a huge factor for the last few weeks and in Schultz and and even their backup Jarwin has been was has been pretty good offensively. It, they're, they're those are some pretty damn good names at all your skill positions. So I want to get one more take from Derek on that game. Something something I know he wrote about in his, his column last week was the third and 25 play. Mm. Down towards the end. 
I think he sent a Derek, tweet I'm, out about it too. I'm going to give you one more chance to vent on that, Derek. It was so bad. Like it just it made me think of that. I think it might have been the the Packers and Eagles or, or something. There's a playoff game. It was like fourth and twenty six years ago. I think the Eagles converted. Like all they had to do, you have to give up fifteen yards. Fourth and ten. It's still like a sixty yard field goal. Twenty four yards and third and twenty five is just inexcusable. I mean, like. And it was C.D. Lamb, too, if I'm not mistaken. Their best offensive guy. Like, you're just going to leave him one-on-one. Awful. It's awful, awful, awful. Coaching. Good call, Joe Dirt. Yep. Coaching. It's coaching. (laughs) I mean, yes, you need execution, of course, but coaching. You're setting up to fail. You're setting your defense up to fail. How do you you single cover C.D. Lamb? But that could also speak to the offense, too, because then you have to single Amari Cooper. Yeah, you can't double everybody. So it's uh tough uh tough tough goings, but 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 honestly, that was the toughest stretch for the Patriots this year, was it not? The the Saints, the Bucks, and the Cowboys. Isn't it smooth sailing now? Shouldn't they run the table and still go fourteen and four or whatever? Thirteen and four. Eleven and fourteen. Shouldn't that happen? <laughs> we will see. Derek, you don't think so? What, what, what happened there? You don't think so? <laughs> I thought. I thought that was a sarcastic question just based on their upcoming schedule. (laughs) The Bills twice, the Chargers on the road, the Titans at home. That's not tough. Come on. This is the hardest part of the season right here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Derrick Henry, they they always do well against him, so he he won't run for 300 yards. Yeah, no, you're a good point. What a beast. That was another beast. All right, anything else on the Patriots? We want to move on to the Red Sox. Probably the biggest, I would say the biggest story, and definitely the biggest story thus far, uh, or currently in the in the area. Should we talk about the Red Sox now? Nah, I'm done Do with it. the Red Sox. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's go play. We should just end it here. Let's not even talk about it. Yeah. First of all, uh, I need to say that I was wrong. I think we all were. Very wrong, because I did not see them even standing a chance against Garrett Cole and the Yankees there in the play-in game. And holy was I wrong. And then I said, oh, well, even if you do beat Garrett Cole and the Yankees, you're going to get blown out by the race. 0 for 2. 0 for 2. So I'm just going to come on here and say that they're definitely not going to win game 6 and 7 and and lose in in 6 here to the Astros. And, you know, you're welcome. I just did it for you. You know what the Astros are? A wagon? They're a wagon. See, I don't even. Their offense is a wagon. They are loaded (sighs) on offense. Overall, overall, the Red Sox have been incredible to watch here over the last couple of weeks. It's been, it, 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 it anything short of spectacular, you think is, is a way to describe it? It's, what they're doing, their offense is it, the the Kike and the grand slams. I mean, it's just been it. it well, it's Kike, almost like Kike was harder than the sun for a while. Oh, for for a stretch from the end of the the Rays series until the first three games of the Astros series, he was just on. Beyond on fire, whatever, white hot. Yeah, it's the whole the offense. I mean, up until all of a sudden, what was it? It was a game four in the second inning. They hit a home run and then it was like, oh, we don't need to play baseball anymore. And then they just stopped playing baseball and now they can't do anything offensively. Scored uh, what? One run since then? Since Uh, since the first inning of game four? Yeah, the home run that Devers hit last time. uh, Right. So Bogarts hit the two run homer in. The first inning of game four, mm-hmm. and then they didn't score again until Devers hit a home run in the seventh inning of game five. Yeah, in in uh in garbage time. Right after they had been after they had 
what, five innings of perfect game per- pitched against them in game Listen, five? I'm going to sound like that, like that fan, and I don't mean to. But can we look at Valdez here for a second? Did you pay attention to it after I talked to you, after I said something? Yes. Did you notice? Yeah. He kept going to above his eye. There's a little something there. It was clear as day, in my opinion. Humble opinion. It's the best way to describe me, humble. It, it, there was clearly something there. Explain to me how every time you get a new ball, you do something differently than what you do before every pitch. What does that tell you? Every what? time. No, you're right. You're right. It was happening. But Every I can't. I can't believe they didn't time. have anybody in the dugout that looks for that kind of stuff that watches. They're. They're. I mean, these are these are hardcore baseball people. And I'm not they even look for that kind of stuff. So for them not. To if I can see it on TV, how can you not see it? How do you not pay attention to that kind of stuff, especially now? I mean, do you agree with me? You think there was something there? Oh, it certainly looked like he was. He was doing something. Mm. There's definitely something there. So Derek, I don't know if you. I know. I don't know if you noticed, but. Valdez pitched against the Red Sox last night, and every single time he got a new ball, he would go, he would do only his index and his middle finger would go above his left eye and wipe, wipe it like wipe just above his left eye. And it looked very oh, shiny up there. It was very, oh yeah, a lot of sweat, right? A lot of sweat up there, a lot of yeah, sweat. Very, very shiny. And then he would go directly to rubbing the ball with both hands, directly to it. The glove would be under his arm. He'd go right to the forehead, do a little wipe, like he was wiping sweat. Like, like, yes, that could be what he was doing is wiping sweat. Just odd that it, or, or it could be, you know, how some pitchers just have like a, a little twitch when they pitch. It's just like a little like a like they, they just have like they have a routine and they do something that before every single pitch, they do the same thing. It helps with their mechanics, whatever it is. You know, some guys some guys throw a pitch and then they take their hat off and then they put it immediately right back on because it comes down. It comes down when they release. So then they reset their hat. That's not what was happening because it was not before every single pitch glove under the arm. Both hands exposed, wipe above the eye, both hands to the ball, starting rubbing up the ball. Every time he got a new ball. If I'm sitting at home watching it, how are people not noticing this stuff? Maybe it's because I have the HD cameras and I'm right up on there and they're in the dugout. You know, Alex Cora, just just a huge game manager. And he didn't, nobody notices? Or is it back to everybody's doing it so we don't, we're not going to say anything? Well, the umpires are still checking the guys when they come off the mound. But they check their have, equipment. Have, have, checking their gloves and checking their belts. They check his freaking eyebrow. <laughs> Look at his forehead. I'm sorry. And, again, I'm not one of these people. Like, like is it really to make a difference? No, because it, it was 9-1. to one. So, like, is, does it really matter? I'm sure it doesn't. I'm sure it didn't really matter. Well, this was also a guy that got lit up in game one, didn't get out of the first inning. Oh, hmm. I'm sorry, game two. Didn't get hmm. out of the first inning. Odd. Odd. Then he doesn't give up a ball to the outfield for like seven innings, and then nobody's like, "Hmm, this something's going on here." I like to see spin rate comparison between that game and, and the last game, because it also something else that I realized because I'm next level. After he would go to the eyebrow and rub down the ball, it was something like eighty. I'll call it eighty percent for a round number of the time. The next pitch was a curveball. Do you have real numbers Odd. on that, or, or is that just your guess? That's me from watching. I don't. I don't have. I didn't actually pull out a pen and pad because I'm not uh, psycho, but I'm next level and notice these these stupid things. And I'm telling you, it was a curveball. Almost, I would say, 80 percent of the time. 
75 to 80 percent of the time, the next pitch after he got a brand new ball and rubbed his eyebrow and then and then and then fudged up the balls. With both hands, inexplicably, for no reason. It was but, a curveball. But that doesn't ex- explain what happened in game four when their bats suddenly went quiet. No, no, unless, no. Unless doesn't. you found something on that pitch. I, where it was thrown. I mean, at that point, allegedly, the, the Astros bullpen was decimated. And they had nothing left in the bullpen, and they were going to have to patch things together. That was mm. the worst thing that could happen was the Red Sox knocking out that starter early in the game. And then they didn't score for the rest of the game. Yeah. And then worst they didn't thing, score for the first happen. six innings in game five. So and you're now, me that, and now the Astros are right back into it pitching-wise. So you're telling me that the Astros had their backs against the wall, and then all of a sudden this guy who got lit up, it was a game two, get lit up, and then he goes eight innings, gives up three hits, just out of nowhere. But they're back backs against the wall, and they, you know you know you know what I'm probably wrong because the Astros are such an upstanding team, no history of cheating, no history of you know bending the rules uh, or going above and beyond to, to to bend the rules of baseball or to get an advantage. So I'm probably off base here, probably a little bit off base, I would say. Uh, be careful who you're throwing around accusations against, because it's not like the Red Sox are exactly. Oh, and I'm not, that, believe me, I I can't stand I can't stand Alex Cora, so I don't really care. Don't what know, was up with me. those lights that were in center field? Oh, yesterday. yeah, but the Red Sox are the ones who the Red Sox are the ones who brought it to the attention of the oh, umpires. They're an oh. upstanding. They're, no, they're an upstanding team. Don't you think that's part of their plan? Yeah, they do yeah. it. and It's not working, and they said, "Hey, look, see what's Wait, going on. What's it's not that us. light? Oh, it's not. Can't be us. No way. And it was so, so dramatic, like it just like fell down below the eyesight, and it fell out of fell out of vision. It was so dramatic. I'm way off topic here. I didn't mean to talk about Valdez for this long. <laughs> I'm way off topic. This, and honestly, I'm almost to the Celtics. And honestly, as a whole, I don't like. Yes, the last two games have blown. They've given up 18 runs or whatever. I think it's nine. It was nine two nine one. So given up 18 runs over the last two games. I don't really want it to take away from what the Red Sox have done this far to the postseason, because I think short of and even last night, Chris Sale was great in my opinion. Until the great. Sixth inning. Great, and then and then in in game four, yes, they got screwed. Las Diaz at Las Diaz, yes, they got screwed. But also, yes, you need to get over it and make the next play, make the next pitch, make the next play. You yeah, can't not, you not can't, give up you nine can't more runs. Bossed. Yeah, you can't come bust and then give up seven runs just because of one missed call. Now, is it the worst timing for a missed call? Yeah, would have got him out of the inning. Sure, but you know what? You kind of gotta get over it. And he, he, and he was bad both ways, all night long. Oh, he was terrible. He just picked a really bad time to screw you. Yeah, and of course that's all you remember. You're not gonna remember all the all the missed calls before. They did his little his little spray chart thing of like missed calls. It was like he only he think he was the only like seventy percent. That's not great. Well, he's not one of the best umpires in the league to begin with. Yeah, so he should definitely I mean, even, be umpiring. When I first saw him, I'm like, they let this guy do a playoff game. He definitely should be in the ALCS, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely behind the plate in an ALCS. That's mm. exactly what you want to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. Next. It's, it's unbelievable. I'd rather see Joe West back there. Nope. Pass. Okay. I'd rather see Joe who's, West who's nowhere. Who's the other guy? Um, I'll think of his name later. But, yeah, there's there's another guy that I'd probably want to see even less than Laz Diaz. Either way, I don't want it to. I don't want these last two games to make it sound like I'm sour. I think what they've no, done here over you, the last two weeks has been unbelievable. I you, really you do. You know who complains about the umpires? Losers. Losers. Yeah, moral victories right there. So we're all about. Derek, you've been on a roll with your moral victory, so why don't you 
give me your moral victories here on the Red Sox? It's tough to take him from these last two games. Um, <laughs> there's really not much to like. Um, you know, I, I just given their history, I try to always, even when the games get out of hand, like keep an eye on the game. You know, last night I was flipping back and forth um, with the Celtics once the Celtics started. Uh, as soon as I saw Martin Perez in the game, I knew they were just waving the white flag, which but I know they did that in in game four, too, which I don't know why they brought him in with the, you know, with bases loaded or whatever it was, because uh, it just felt like he is their their human white flag. I mean, easily the, the I think, the worst pitcher on their roster. Um, but in terms of moral victories, yeah, Sale looked great, I guess. I mean, that moving forward, that's that's good. He looks like he's got some juice in his, his mojo back. So if you can take game six, you know, maybe he's available for a couple innings in game seven. That's that's all I got. Was Sale not fired up when he got out of that jam in the fourth? Oh, oh, fired me up. Was that a, and I was surprised he came back out for the fifth. For him to expend that much energy the way he's pitched this year, I think I would have said, you know what, Chris, you're good. You got us out of that one. You're good. Take the rest of the night off. But he came back, yeah. came back out for the fifth and got a one, two, three inning. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, there were uh, multiple things that I thought were questionable in that exact time frame that we're talking about here in the the fifth. It was the fifth and the sixth. When did the game? When was it still a close game? Through the fifth. It was. It was the sixth. It was the coming off the wagon. Yeah, it was the it was the bottom of the fifth and the top of the sixth. There was just some questionable situations, questionable in-game management. Alex Cora's strong suit, obviously. Um, that it just, I just, I, I just, I was, I was dumbfounded, dumbfounded, and and I was also surprised that he came out to pitch the fifth, given the fact that he hasn't really extended himself out as I think he threw the most pitches he saw in all year last night, right? He was, he was in the high eighties, low nineties. He was in the, he was, he was in the seventies. I think when he came out to pitch the sixth, no, 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 yeah, no, he no. was up there. Fifth, fifth. I think it was the fifth because I looked at it and I, I think he had 72 pitches at, at the strikeouts. So I think he was after those strikeouts. So I think that was the, I think that was the fifth inning. It's seven strikeouts last night. Holy. He pitched five and a third. So he, so he came out to start the sixth. Right, yeah, but I'm saying big, those big strikeouts were in the fourth. Those big strikeouts were in the fourth, and I think I'm pretty right. sure he was he was plus right, seventy right, right. at that point. No, he threw eighty-seven pitches overall last night. Okay, so that's I, got I'm it. saying that's... he was he was in the seventies when he came out to start the sixth. Got it, got it. I thought it was I thought it was the fifth that he I mean the fourth that he was up over the seventies. I thought he would have thrown in the nineties or or but anyway it has to be it has to be the most pitches he's thrown since he's come back and he looked good. I mean some of those runs at the end. Well, a couple of them were unearned because Schwarber suddenly couldn't catch a ball at first base. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Yeah, my first base one. Uh, but he looked good. He looked electric. His stuff was good. He's throwing hard. He's keeping the ball down. He made two mistakes all night. And the second one should have never, ever, 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 ever have happened. And it was it was dumb decision two in two halves of an inning for me. Number one for Alex Cor. So. This is where I this is where I start to get pissed. Is that the game is has obviously changed. And I'm not old. I'm not like a I mean I am old, but I'm not that old. I'm not like, you know, old timey baseball guy that everything's gotta be, you know, sacrifice bunts and but this this analytics has completely taken over. And first and second last night in a one nothing game. You have done nothing against Valdez. Nothing. Hunter Renfro steps to the plate, who has done nothing for a week and a half. 
How do you not have him bunt in that situation? He's not a bunter. I don't care. He's not I a don't bunter. Care. Now, he ended up hitting into a double play, which is even I worse. Don't, I don't care. The only thing that you can't do in that situation is hit into a double play. How do you pretty much guarantee that you don't hit into a double play and you move the runners along? You bunt. That is but bunting uh, is such, little league. It, it, I mean, that has gone the way of a lot of other things in baseball lately. A, a bunt is rare. You had it in one of the games in the playoffs where you had, uh, was it the final game against the Rays where they had Arroyo bunt Vasquez over to second after he let off let off the, the last inning with a hit? And then that ended up driving in the final. It was the sacrifice fly that's, that weird. scored um, after Santana went in to run for Vasquez. But, I mean, that that's that's a second baseman like Arroyo. You know, that's that's the type of thing you'll ask somebody like that to do. You're not going to ask a power hitter like Renfro to bunt. They haven't done I it would. all year. You're not going to change what you do just because you get to a playoff game. Oh, I would. I would 100% would. Don't tell me you don't change what you do when you get to a playoff game when you use 900 pitchers a game, and the second that your starter gets into trouble, no, I'm, talk, I'm talking about out. your offensive approach. You're not going to change it in, oh, in the fifth I inning bunt. of a game. To win the game at the end, yes. Then you might go away from it when you just need one run. But at that point, they, w- they were still looking for the big inning. So they're, they're not going to have somebody like Renfro bunt. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I 100%. Happen. Renfro is 1, 4, 3, 7, 9, mm, 11. Nope, that's wrong. 1 for 14. No, he's been one horrendous. For 14 I'm, I'm not arguing in this that. series. He's been horrendous. You, game 2, he went 0 for 4 with 3 strikeouts. You're going to tell me that you have confidence that he's going to do something in that situation. Honestly, a strikeout in that situation would have been better. No, but I, to didn't, me, I, didn't you've I, done... con- I didn't say I had confidence in him. Oh, I, said, I said I'm not asking him to bunt. Hunter and I share a birthday. Do you really? We do. He's same a little year. younger than me. Same year? Oh, no. No, no, no. He was a 92. But same birthday. So if I ever meet him, you know, something to talk about. And the fact that he should have bunted. You should have bunted. I'm sorry. I don't care that he has. Someone tweeted at me and said he only got he has no one no sacrifice bunts in his whole career. I don't care. He's done nothing for the entire series. He's done. He, he, well, he's a better hitter against lefties. Don't care. He's done nothing. But he's all probably series. he's probably going to end did. up he's probably going to end up striking out in that situation. So okay. yeah, you rolled the been dice. Better. Yeah, he yes, it would have been better than hitting into a double play. But you roll the dice on something like that. And if I it's know. if it's if you needed a bunt in that situation, you put somebody else in to bunt. You Fine. don't ask him to bunt. Fine. That would have been a better decision than letting a guy who's one for ten at that point in the series with, hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven strikeouts. So in, four, in 14 plate appearances, he struck out seven times. He's more likely to strike out than do anything else. I ha- I'm sorry. I, I have him bunt there. I have a month there. You have to understand the situation. You've done nothing against the starter to this point at all. You're first and second with no outs. The only thing that you cannot afford in this situation is a double play against a sinker ball pitcher and a power hitter, which means he doesn't know how to cut down his swing, which means he's going to chase a bad pitch, 2-0, chase the bad pitch, pounds it into the ground, double play. That's the only thing that you cannot have happen. Tried to pull an outside pitch instead of going That's with the- it and taking it to right field. It was a two and zero pitch. You don't even swing at that pitch. Yep. Which is a which is a completely no, right. different you're argument. Right. Which is a completely different argument. He's been struggling at the bat and in the field. So tell, he, so tell me why as, you as a could bit have... of a meathead in the field. Trying, you know, he's fallen in love with his arm, trying to throw guys out, overthrowing cutoff men. It's hurt them a couple of times in this series. So then explain to me 
why you can't pinch it for someone for him right there and use someone who can bunt. I didn't say you. Or someone different for him. Explain that to me. Maybe Explain you don't it even, to Maybe you didn't even you know why? start him in game six. You know why he didn't? You know why that didn't happen? The analytics didn't say to do it. That's why it didn't happen. Well, let's talk about and, the analytics. Let's talk. Well, hold on. Let, let's. We've talked about this for enough. Let's agree to disagree. Well, no, I need no. I need to do the sixth inning now. I need to move on to the top oh, of the okay. sixth inning, which right, is the dumber decision of the two, in which to pitch to Alvarez with runners on second and third and one out. Second and third open. and one out. Alvar, which means first base is open. Correct. The Excellent. only guy that's no. hit Sale all night long. That's it. The only guy. Sale gave up two hits to that point. Two hits. That's it. A home run to Alvarez and a double to Alvarez. I was screaming at the TV. You need to you need to walk him here. And before I could even before I could even finish the sentence of saying I tried to say you need to walk him here. He's the only guy who has two. He's the only guy who's hit sale and he's driven in the run. Before I could even say that, he drove in two more runs. Before I could even get it all out, he drove in two more runs. Kel thought I was crazy. She's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "You why don't why don't you walk him here?" Nope. The analytics don't say it's a lefty on lefty matchup, so you can't you can't take the walk. To face Correa because it's a lefty on righty matchup. Which, by the way, Correa has not – has Correa been good this series? What did Correa do last night to that point? I don't I, think I anybody else had any hits I, last I, night to that point. Exactly. Nothing. Alvarez is the only one who had sales number last night. As good as he was pitching, Alvarez, for whatever reason, had his number. Might have been pitch selection. I don't know. Home run and a double. The only one who had hits. Why are you pitching to him in that situation? Why? Please. Uh, did, did anybody ask Alex Cora after the game? I didn't even. I didn't. I just shut it off. The game blown out. Did anyone ask him? I didn't hear the question. Of course not. No. I'm not. I didn't. I didn't listen to the post game press conference. Why would anybody? Why would anybody? over to watch the Celtics and the Bruins. Why? Two things. The feel of the game is what is what you need to do in the playoffs, and that's what they try to do when the second the starter gets into trouble, someone gets someone gets up in the bullpen, and you know, and then it becomes a, a chess match. How do you not? Those are two major situations in that game. You don't see that the, you, don't, you like Cora couldn't tell that Valdez was rolling, and they needed to get runners in a scoring position and apply some pressure. Cora couldn't tell that Alvarez had Sale's number. Again, I'm sitting at home when I could see this. I have another question for you. When you talk Let's about look, the analytics. You are good? Uh, can you save your question because I want to let Derek talk, considering he's been sitting in town for <laughs> it feels like 35 minutes. All right, but I, so, when I'm old. I'm going to forget my question. Write so it down. I'm, I'm going to write it down. All right, go ahead. Write it down. Go ahead, Derek. Give me some of and your. By thoughts. the way, the umpire I was thinking of was Angel Hernandez. Yeah, the guy who blew the the perfect game for. Um, no. Uh, no. No, that wasn't Angel Hernandez. Oh, I thought it was. No. And he had to issue a public apology to him. Oh, and, no, that was time, Jim. Jim something. Oh. Okay. Well, anyway. I thought it was him. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I'm, I'm writing my. What was my other question? I'm, uh, Something about analytics. You got oh, out yeah, analytics yeah, yeah, before yeah, I yeah. Okay. Go Derek, ahead, Derek. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I just. I mean, I agree with the fact that I don't think Sale should have been in there to to start the six in the f- first place. I mean, obviously, obviously, given that he's coming back from Tommy John and hasn't pitched, you know, deep into games at all this year, but it was also the top of the order. Like, if he was, it was going to be seven, eight, and nine, or you know, like six, seven, eight. All right, maybe you throw him out there and see what he can do, but. Having him go through that lineup for a third time, I think they were they were asking for trouble. And you know, I mean, Derek at Sales credit, they didn't get a lot of hard hit balls that inning. Like other than Alvarez's double, a lot of things were you know like little blue pits or, or slow rollers in the infield. Um, so he's some kind of unlucky bounces there, but I don't think he should have been out there to begin the sixth anyway. Well, it came, it came after the error, but also great, excellent, excellent, excellent point about it being the top of the lineup. Did that thought did not even cross my mind 
excellent, 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 excellent point. Credit to you for that one. Was also came after uh, it also got set up by the error, did it not? With uh, <sighs> Schwarber there, yeah, Schwarber there. Took, took his there. eye off the ball. Yeah, because he wanted to throw the third. Right. Can I just say something really quick about Schwarber? Like, I, yeah, I know everyone everyone loves him, um, and because he's you know he's playing right now and Rizzo isn't, and he's been gr- largely he's been great, and I know he's had a couple big home runs this postseason, but he really hasn't had that great of a series. He's like three for twenty or, or three for twenty one. I know he had the big grand slam and in, in game three, but he really hasn't done much else other than that. No, you're absolutely right. He, he's he's cooled off quite a bit. Schwarber is your. He's your current. He's your, he's your current day player. Like a big power bat has no real position, and just you know hits he hits the ball a ton. That's he's a big power guy who can't run, and he's leading or off. play the field, or, or play the field. He, but he's leading off. Is is that that's a great. better Whew. indictment of baseball today? Wow, that's what the analytics say to do. That's what that's what we that's what we here think is the best. Don't have Kike, who literally is hitting a uh, nine hundred and has speed, not fast, but he has speed. Yeah, Don't he's cooled off the last couple of games too. Yeah, no, everybody has cooled off in the last couple of games though. Everybody has. I'm not saying it's Valdez's sticky uh, forehead, but I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, everybody has. Ooh, that could be an episode name: Valdez's sticky forehead. <laughs> I, it, it, I'm not saying. Okay, go go ahead. Analytics question. All right, so. Last night, we were questioning why Sale came out to pitch the sixth. My bigger question was, in game four, you had Pavetta, who was cruising, does not come out to pitch the sixth. Was it the top Same of the lineup? situation. doesn't matter. He was cruising, and he was only at 60-something pitches. Was it the top of the lineup? No, it that's wasn't, a, that's it wasn't li- the top of the lineup. He had, he had not gone fully through the lineup twice. Hmm. Don't quote, only, me, I mean, don't quote me on that, but I don't care whether it was the top of the lineup. Well, no, or no, no, no. That's, he that's handled the, the top of the lineup just fine to that point. That's yet the he thing did that... not. He's at sixty something pitches and does not come out to pitch the sixth. Yet you have that's... a Chris Sale who has struggled and is coming back from Tommy John surgery. You put What's him out to start the, the sixth slider? when he's at seventy something pitches. Nah, change it. Well, that's the thing that Derek was just talking about. Is that is that if he if it was the top of the lineup. Can I see the inning by inning breakdown? I think I can. If it was the top of the lineup, um, I think it was near the top of the lineup because I remember looking on. It might have been on Twitter at that point. I think it would have been Lou Merloni like defending the move, saying they don't want him going through the lineup for a third time, and that's why Cora didn't bring him out. Yeah, that, but they're that, fine with putting Sale out there for a third time, who right. hasn't thrown you know more than five innings in all year. Yeah, well, it's feel of the game I, I, that that's that's what i that's what i just that's what i keep bringing it back to so it was a is, top is, of brantley let off the inning so it is so, so that, that's the reason the left hander to pitch to brantley no 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 no. i'm talking about i'm talking about the pavetta pavetta one yeah that's what i'm talking about they brought in taylor to pitch oh, with oh brantley you leading so. off you said so you said so you said oh so. i'm sorry they brought in taylor to pitch so like that okay that kind of makes sense to me then i guess and then yeah, you have Alvarez that, in there too, right? That's so strictly the analytics. That's not looking at how a guy is throwing. This is Correct. the same thing that we had with Snell in the World Series last year. The guy was dealing, and you took him out at 60-something pitches because it was the third time through the lineup. They're afraid to have their starters go to face guys three times. And that happens all year, that happens. 
and it's it is it's another thing analytics lack for the feel of the game and it's just it's just an analytics thing it's not a, it's not a feel for the game that's three instances in two games which is why your bullpen is getting blown out by the all-star break yes you're right you're right but it also just goes to show you that it re- it like it really is it, 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 the managing really isn't a feel for the game thing. It's really just a notebook thing. Did you see three. what? Uh, I didn't even I didn't even consider the Pavetta one because I I think I had hockey that night, so I didn't. I was I watched the beginning of the game, so I didn't watch the end of it. But it just goes to show you that it's it's a feel for the game. It, it, I, I, that's three instances in two games. Did you see in, in the, pivotal uh, situations in the uh, the end of the Dodgers Giants series, the Dodgers went with an opener. In Game Five, despite having it. a 20-game winner that was rested, the Dodgers went with an opener, and Dave Roberts said it was an organizational decision. Yeah, it was the analytics. They're doing that tonight. They're in an, elim- an elimination game tonight. They're going with an opener tonight. Guess who? Joe Kelly. Bingo. <laughs> you know, it seems like every run. time I turn on, he already, series, he already gave up a home run. You're kidding. Yeah, Freddie Freddie Freeman took them deep <laughs> to nothing. It seems like every time I, I turn on that series, Joe Kelly is pitching or that left-hander for the Braves. I forget his name, but it's like every time I turn on that series. Yeah, elimination game. All hands on deck for an elimination game. I mean, I guess yeah. no, because you still have to play. But it, it's not a game elimination story. game. No, no, but elimination game. Right, yeah. Joe Luke, Kelly is towing the rubber for you. What is happening to this game? What is happening to this game? At Bessie. How you feeling, Dodger fans? I just it, it just it 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 and again I'm not an old timer baseball person like oh they need like you know I oh it's not, this game needs to speed up or blah blah I'm not like I'm not I'm not either of those I'm not a you know the old timer that watches it when he falls asleep or at six o'clock in the afternoon nine or seven o'clock in the afternoon and I'm also not someone that feels like they need to cut down to seven innings for every game but the analytics stuff has got to go man it, like you need to have a feel for the game you need to. I'm sorry. You have to. You have to have a feel for the game. You have to be able to make decisions on the fly. And it just feels like that's not Cora. You're taking yes. away. You're taking away the potential for the great performances. Jack Morris going ten innings in a World Series game. Kurt Schilling with a bloody sock. Mm. What did he pitch in that game? Seven, eight innings. Mm. If that would have happened today, he would be out after four. You wouldn't. You wouldn't pitch today. What are you talking about? No, because he's I wish they had years old, analytics back in 2003. No, 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 no. Little would have taken Pedro out. There's another yeah, good one. Exactly. There's another good, yeah. There's the opposite one. Yeah. Yeah. Works in the opposite Yeah, but at least way. he still would have been in in the eighth inning. Schilling, seven pitches. Uh, seven pitches. Seven, seven innings. innings. In that game. Schilling, Arroyo, Folk. If that were to happen now, he would have been out after four. He wouldn't have pitched that game. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have gone through the second time in the lineup. He wouldn't have pitched. Period. They would have saw the they would have, they would have saw the catch up and said, "No way, he's not pitching." Mm-mm. I'm kidding. I don't think it was actually catch up, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. Let me have some fun. But I just I don't know. It just it it's it, it it's like it's it's funny because hypothetically the Red Sox win one of those two games and then either the Celtics or the Bruins win last night. And I feel like this whole podcast has just a completely different tone, but because the Red Sox have now given up 18 runs and they, they've lost the last two games and the Celtics, the Celtics lose in double overtime. The Bruins just put up a dud against the Flyers. This podcast is just like, blah. 
We're talking the about city's... moral victories. This city stinks. So speaking but... of moral victories, I mean, when the Red Sox went into the Rays series, we said, hey, if they beat the Rays, they're playing with house money. Everything's gravy. Then after, way, then after they take a 2-1 lead against the Astros, it's like, yeah, we're going to the World Series. And now everything is turned around on a dime again. So has this yeah. team overachieved this year? It's do the we, highs and lows. What do we expect the rest of the way? I, 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 mm. I think the Astros are better than you, but I thought the Rays were better than you. So I do think they're playing with house money. I do think they have overachieved. I think that they've overachieved. If you asked me back in back – in, Whatever month before they play, uh, February, March. If if I thought that the Red Sox would be one of the final four teams, I probably would have laughed at you hysterically. Without Chris Sale for most of the year, I probably would have laughed at you hysterically. But after the way that they started, I don't think that they underachieved. I mean, overachieved. Well, after the way they started, and then after they went in the tank. In the second half of the season. Yeah, no, no. I, Going overall, into the playoffs, we didn't think they'd, overall, they'd win the, the play-in the, game. We didn't think they'd get by the race. Correct. Your expectations are continuously changing with this team. They are, and they should. You are, and they should. I would say overall, from the very, very beginning of the season, yes, they've overachieved. With their roster that they have, yes, they've overachieved. And let's, so not, they forget, let's not forget, they got a ton of breaks in the race series. They got breaks in that first couple games with the Astros. The, the breaks were going their way, and that happens in baseball. The breaks go your way, you get on a roll, but then little things happen, and then the momentum starts to shift. And now all of a sudden, the breaks aren't going your way. The ball, the ball's hitting the bag instead of you being able to catch it. Or the ball's bounce, the the ball's not bouncing up into the stand, so somebody gets a triple instead of a ground rule double. That's that's the way this game goes. I don't see. To answer your question, they've overachieved, and going forward, I don't see Houston losing two games at home. I don't see it happening. So I think your season your season probably ends probably ends in Houston. So based on Michael's analysis, Derek, who do the Red Sox start in game one of the World Series? <laughs> <laughs> Derek, what about you? Your 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 expectations coming in have they over have they overachieved, underachieved, and what do you think they're gonna do here in the next couple games? So I think they've definitely overachieved. I mean, I kept waiting for them to, you know, that final weekend when they were having Baltimore and Washington, especially how things started in Baltimore. I thought for sure they weren't even going to get into the play-in. I thought Toronto or Seattle was going to pass them. And then they just looked like a different team, uh, you know, for the the beginning of this postseason. Uh, I didn't think they'd get past Tampa. Uh, New York, uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, Garrett Cole definitely worried me a bit, but... Um, and they've actually hit him pretty well at, at times. So I wasn't too surprised with that, but definitely didn't think they'd get past Tampa. Coming into the Houston series, I thought Houston would roll them just based on what they did in the regular season. But then I was, as I was watching the series and I saw like Houston starting rotation, I'm like, the Red Sox offense should beat these guys up. And they did for a little bit. Um, I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't know if they can win two in Houston. I think tomorrow night, you know, they should be able to to knock around Garcia. I mean, Garcia started two games for Houston this postseason, and he's given up 10 runs. So, like, the offense should be able to to get going again, hopefully. Uh, but I don't know if they can win, win two in a row. hundred percent agree. I thought we lost you again. I was reading something, to be honest, but... <laughs> 
I was reading about how the Red Sox will win the next two games in Houston, and everyone just telling me I'm an idiot. No, I 100 I 100 agree. I don't I don't uh, I, I I don't I don't think they're going to win, and I do think they've overachieved. So I 100 percent agree uh, with Derek, which is usually the case because he's smarter than me. <laughs> what about you, Bill? Did you give yours? I don't know. I might have missed them. No, I didn't. If you Take recall, up. if you recall, I said I would not have been surprised had they beaten the Rays. So I'm going to I'm going to take some credit for that one. I I think they'll at least force a game 7. You think so? I do. I like their chances with Evaldi going in game 6. I think the bullpen is in pretty decent shape. You you've still got Hauk, who I think Cora's lost confidence in because he has not used him in the last couple of games, but he's still out there. You've got Pavetta, you've got Whitlock who can give you multiple innings. So I think that they they can Force a game seven. And then once you get there, anything can happen. All bets are off. And yes, I think they overachieved. Slightly. Because they had talent on the roster. It's not, yeah, like, it's not like this was a, a, a $70 million payroll coming into the season. There's still a near $200 million payroll. So they have talent on the roster. And, yeah, it's not, right. and you didn't get a great season out of Erod, which you were expecting. He was mediocre at best for most of the season. Avaldi had a great, great season, but other than that, you, you, I mean, two fifths of your starting rotation was in your bullpen. The guys who started the season was in your bullpen by August. Garrett Richards and and Perez. Perez blows. He, but he didn't belong on this. He didn't belong back on this team anyway. So that's a that doesn't matter. But, but I mean, Richards is a little. I'm not a surprise, but I mean, I guess that's that's. You're actually he, you're actually missing Richards right now in this series. He would have been able to get you a, a couple of good innings in at least two out of the out of the five games so far. He he was he was rounding into a, a very good bullpen player towards the end of the a bullpen pitcher. Oh, he was the end of the season. I mean, he, he was. was your closer. He was your de facto closer. He and closed the game closers, that we went to. Has there ever, the game we went to? That's right. Has there ever been a more? He I think he closed every game in that weekend series against the Orioles. But has there has there ever been a more precipitous drop of anybody than Matt Barnes? The guy was no. an all star. Yeah. And he and he wasn't even able to get on the roster in the playoffs until somebody got hurt. Talk yep. about a fall, fall from, from grace. grace. Boom. 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 Yeah, no. I, I, terrible. Terrible. First half, second half. Horrible. But that kind of is the way that the whole team went. Great first half. Mech, yeah, but most half. of them rebounded. Yeah, Bar- that's true. Barnes did not. Yeah, that's true. You're not wrong. Not incorrect. I'm going to quit Any... here. You're agreeing with me. I'm going to yep. quit here. This is a good spot. Good this night, everyone. Good spot. <laughs> this is probably probably a good spot. So, uh, Derek, any th- any other thoughts on the Red Sox? Or, or Well, Bill said he's out. So, Derek, any other thoughts on the Red Sox? Not a one. I'm good. Good work, boys. Good job. I, I do have one I'm very much looking forward to when the season is over, talking about how they're going to set up the team for next year. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Probably be writing uh, a couple of articles on it. Good, and I'll have to do some research because I have legitimately no clue who's expiring, who's up, what the roster is going to look like. So, Well, just in addition to that, how is Bloom going to handle this? Because he should have a, a pretty sizable checkbook to spend. No, no. It's not, it's not, it's not uh, well, adult we'll, we will see. We will see, but let's let's – Table that for another podcast. Excellent point. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Boston Sports S Y N. Looking for oh, 
Actually, we don't even have an Instagram anymore. Just kidding. Check us out on Twitter at Boston Sports SYN. Check out articles written by both of my fellow hosts here, Bill and Derek, at www.bostonsportssyndicate.com. Spoiler alert: We have a couple of new writers, and uh, some of the some of the articles have been coming out pretty pretty steadily. Uh, so a lot of new content, pretty much daily right now, being dropped. So uh, lots of good things happening over there. As always, you can go to SeatGeek, get yourself some tickets to an event, save $20 off a $50 purchase using code BSS. You also can save 20% at manscaped.com with code BSS and get yourself free shipping as well. Your balls will thank you. And uh, I think that's pr- that's pretty much covers everything. So did, you think, did I miss anything there? I wasn't paying attention. Excellent way to way to be. Uh, you can also find Derek at McVay, 20, McDay34. On take, Twitter. Take two. <laughs> At McVeigh34. And uh, Derek does a lot. Of, Derek, I've noticed, does quite a bit of in-game tweeting, which I love. I, I love the in-game. And and while he's positive on here, the tweets, not always positive. And I love it. <laughs> love everything about it's raw it. raw emotion. Love it. No, That's the best. Is you can't think about it. You can't form. You just got to You just got to go. Derek had a great one in Game Three of the Red Sox when he when Altuve made the error, and he said, "Call him mm. Altuve four. Mm. Altuve four. Altuve that was four. a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Excellent, 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 excellent. Derek, thank you as always. Love having you on. Love the uh, the analysis you give, and uh, appreciate appreciate you taking the time to join us. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys. Happy to be on anytime. And as always, Bill, thanks for thanks for putting up with me for the last hour and a half or so. And uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next time. Boston Sports. Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. Diving to the goal line. A touchdown and a title. This is our f***ing city.